everyone, welcome to the Portable Magic Dispenser. My name is Lucas Maxwell and I'm the librarian here at Glenthorne High School. I'm your host today for the podcast. I'm the host every time, so I don't know why I say that every single episode. Um, today I'm going to talk to you about helping your students become good dungeon masters or game masters. If you run a tabletop role-playing game like Dungeons and Dragons or whatever in your library, I hope this will be useful. Um, we have a couple of dungeon masters uh, that are best students in the library that uh, one has been doing it a few years and one who's just starting. So trying to employ uh, some or give them some tools to help them. Uh, in both instances, the students want to do things from their own minds. So um, they have both uh, hardly rejected any pre-done campaigns or things. So I always suggest to them we should do maybe, uh, there's tons of things. I would re really recommend if you're listening to this, uh, if you're thinking about how do I find a campaign that's or a quest or whatever that's small or just a one-time thing or for you know that's not going to cost me a lot of money because um, the D&D books can cost upwards of you know 30 pounds or whatever that is 40 dollars or even maybe maybe the other way around <laughs> but um, um, you I really recommend going to either drive through THRU um, RPG so drive through RPG or DM Guild, those are two online sites that offer hundreds of little adventures. Some of them for free, some of them for a dollar or a pound. So whatever you want, you do have to make an account, but you download it, print them off, whatever you want to do. There's 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 hundreds of them, maybe even more. So. I have a few of those at the ready. I would really recommend making an account and going on those. Um, shameless self-plug, I did create a an adventure for new DMs, which would be good for a student if you have a student doing it. It's literally step-by-step -step on how to do it and telling you what to roll, when to roll it, how to get the students or the, or the players to engage and things like that. And I'll put a link to that in the... Um, it's completely free. Just You can just click on the link and follow it step by step and it's um i try to make it a little sandbox adventure it's only for levels one to three really one to two maybe i'm going to try to expand on it uh if i have time but uh that's w number one that i would do offer it to them offer them a few there's a there's a couple out there that uh i would really recommend you doing and <laughs> the the next thing would be to have make sure that you have a session zero with the the GM and the students. So make sure that they have a session zero is what I'm trying to say. So session zero, I've done a whole podcast episode on session zero, but so you can go to that if you want. But this session essentially is to ensure that this, the players know exactly what's going on and that this will help your student GM in the long run for sure so make sure that they have um all the players because they may be brand new to it make sure they have character sheets or whatever make sure they know how to essentially not know how to play the game per se but that they have an idea of the game and they can create a character this can all be done in a session zero so i would really recommend you doing that and making sure that they they have that at the ready or that they have completed that session the next thing is to give them any kind of 
equipment that they may need. So equipment, you don't need much to do one, but table, chairs, pencil, paper, but this stuff needs to be ready. I would also recommend um, some kind of flip chart that would give them our student immediately. The new GM that started last week was immediately asking me, can we use the flip chart? Because they've seen me do it where they write down the initiative order or the order of combat. And it's really helpful to the students, I think, the players and the GM if it's written down. It can also be used to write out and uh, to draw maps, which I just did. We had our first session with me as GM with our year 11 students, and I drew out a little bit of the map of this uh, haunted house they're in. And <laughs> uh, I think they like it. I like it too because I can figure out where they're at. So what I think happens a lot with student um, game masters is that they railroad the players and it's not their fault or anything it's just I think that's a thing that new game masters do they have a plan in their brain and they don't want the players to disrupt that plan but they will every single time your players will disrupt that plan and that's important that they do disrupt your plans and throw everything into question because it means that they're thinking on their own so you have to make it as sandbox and as exploratory as possible, but it's it's hard to do that. So how I do that, um, or I try to do that, I wouldn't say I'm an expert at it, but you have to have things at the ready. So you can create situations um, or places or not what they call, I guess, non-player characters. Create a bank of them. And you don't need to, to reinvent the wheel. There are books, there are online websites, so you do have to do a little bit of pre-research, but this helps them immensely to have them at the bank, and they can just use them, plug them in where and when they think they need them. Not all non-player characters are essential to the plot or the story. So if they're making one out of their own head, what I would suggest you do is, okay, you can do that, but here are some non-player character names. What are they? Are they a dwarf? Are they an elf races? What are their background? You know, it's just a good idea. It just makes it much more interesting. It makes it makes it less um, an, you know, anxiety-inducing for the GM. If the player says, well, who is that person over there? If you're going to say there are five people in this shop you really should have five different people in your brain ready to go but if you have a bank of npcs ready and the other thing is to have encounters ready even if they you think maybe they're not gonna uh, have any so what i mean by an encounter really is if they're going to travel from one location to another what i like to do is uh roll ask them to roll a 20-sided dice to see what kind of an encounter they get. I don't always do this, but I do it with the students um, sometimes. And the basic goal for me is like a 1 to 13. There's no encounter for that day. There's different ways people do this. At 14 and up, they get encounters. Now, what kind of an encounter they get is up to you. It can be a non lethal encounter where it's maybe someone in distress or it's a someone just walking down the road but it just fleshes out the uh the atmosphere the environment i should say and have those ready as well there's there's a million and one encounter generators out there you can do online if you do D D encounter generator or um 
if you look at encounter tables they'll they'll have some if you have a, a dungeon master's guide you can find some in there in encounter tables wilderness encounters on you know sea encounters whatever so those are things to keep in mind when you are um creating a a campaign from your from your own head it just it'll just help them out the other thing I did, um, I do is I'll print out. So I'll say, what level of your, you know, if you're, what level are your players? They're level one, which they were the other day when the student did their own first, their first one. I print out a bunch of random level one esque monsters. Um, it should make sense to the environment if they're in a, you know, an underground dungeon. I guess they probably shouldn't be encountering vampires unless there's some reason for it to be there. But you see what I mean? I'm I'm gonna um, print out some characters or monsters for them that they can do if in case they do these random encounters. So it's to give them this kind of idea of freedom, but they've got these things at the ready. So give them these sheets. Give them a, a tracker of of the of a initiative tracker of some kind. So like maybe even just a, a notepad would be good. I would really recommend. I I strongly recommend to them to keep a folder or a file of some kind just to keep things at the ready. Um, I also recommend ensuring that the number of students they're playing with is quite small. I would say between three and six. I know that's very small maybe for a school or public library if you have a huge waiting list, but if you've got a teenage dungeon master, game master, I think starting really small is important to, so they keep their sanity. <laughs> it can be, if you have more than eight, in my opinion, it can get a little hectic. I don't mind doing it myself. Uh, I feel like I've got enough experience under the belt to get a some um, semblance of it, but it's, um, it can be very tricky. Uh, so what I always tell them is, and this is, I guess, good advice for any <laughs> game master, is that as long as they're not being, of course, cruel or mean or doing something horrible to another player or even maybe to an NBC, NPC, the idea is that they, they can try anything. You know, they can, they can let them try. Don't say, don't say, no, you can't do that. You can say you can try to do that, and they can give it a shot. I mean, you can't, you shouldn't um, limit them. I think um, I have another, I'll put a link to it, but I have another podcast um, episode which talks about alternatives to Dungeons and Dragons because D&D can be pretty, I guess, intimidating maybe to new GMs. It is extremely wide open and maybe confusing, (laughs) and it is still confusing sometimes to me. But there are games out there that that streamline it for you, that um, break it down. And... If you can convince your teen GM or student GM to um, run it, run a run a D and D program from the book, I cannot recommend the starter set enough. It has a um, a preset adventure that is amazing, which is called the Lost Minds of Fandelver. And it has a condensed rule book, player's handbook, I guess, for lack of a better term. It really condensed, and it tells you how to um, run combat and things like that. So, and I've got tons of you know little encounters they can use as well if they need them that you can use if you want them. Which again, I'll link in the in the notes. But um, 
I would recommend the starter set. It has dice. It has pre-made character uh, sheets. You can also find, if you Google D&D pre-made character sheets, they give you a bunch for free. You choose your race, your class. It just You just print them out. They've got them done for you. If you have students who are new to D&D and they just like, I want to play, but I have no clue, just pr- I would print these off. I'm doing it because I am running a new session on Wednesdays after school now for new students who um, have been coming in in hordes asking about D&D. I'm going to run a brand new session um, and with pre-made character sheets. It saves you a ton of time. They don't need to spend the time working out, you know, oh, I'm a... I'm a halfling. What, what? What? How? How fast can I run? It's just it takes a million years sometimes. Do these pre pre made sheets straight into it. Have them um, describe their characters. They can make their own characters when once they figure out the game, and then we can you can they can you know do something with those if they want. They can plug those in later. It's it's just a way I think the pre-made sheets, the starter set, which I think goes for like seventeen pounds or fifteen dollars or something like that. I can't even remember, but it's not much, and it's worth its weight in gold because it has the all that stuff I just mentioned, and it really will get you started in a very fast manner. But I have a ton of other episodes out there. I know I keep plugging these other episodes, but there are many other episodes that are like telling you how to start a session, how to sit down with your players. But if you have a new GM, that is perfect. You're giving them the opportunity, um, giving them giving them lots of time as well. So I recommend if you're doing it in a school to do it after school, simply because a lunchtime isn't enough time, in my opinion. It can create anxiety. We do have one student who runs it uh, during lunchtime, but um, they are extremely confident. They've been doing it for three years, so it's, it's not a problem. But if you're new, um, after school... You want to give yourself a couple of hours, depending on how long you usually run it. Give them a few hours to do it, at least an hour and a half to run this um, to this adventure. So it's time. It's the material that they need. I would have the player's handbook if you have it um, at the ready um, and these sheets. And the, another thing I would recommend, maybe the last thing I would recommend is that it's important that you are there, of course, and this may seem obvious, but I think for me... Like I said, for the student, I have a year 11 student now who's been doing it three years. And once they're set up, I don't need to be there. I know that I can wander around the library and do other things. For the new GM, I'm going to stand there or even sit at the table and just make sure that, A, the players are focused, listening to the GM. There's not a lot of crosstalk. They're not spinning dice all across the table. They're not being silly. They are listening. They are listening to what the GM is saying. They are getting the information they need, and they are understanding that this is a game about teamwork, about working together. This is not a game where they're going to fight each other and pile on each other and act silly. Uh, That is for another video game or whatever. That's not going to happen here. This is a game about helping each other and solving the problem that is laid out by the GM. I would strongly recommend you for the first few sessions, sit with them and get to know them as well. And the first session simply could be, and I, I had the, the GM come to me and say, I just need to know how to get things rolling. And for me, it's simple in that I have a place that they're going to meet at. 
why and then I'm asking them I put it on them why are you here why have you come and they can explain that to the table and it gives them an opportunity it could be a tavern I mean if you're working with kids you're not going to have any alcohol involved but it's going to maybe it's an inn or something or a shop why have you all come here are you here together are you you know give them the opportunity to describe their character what does your character look like um, why have they come to this place? Do you know the other characters? And they can decide. 99% of the time, they'll be really excited to do it and there won't be any issues, but it gives them it gives them the framework and then they can work within it. Then, once they've established that, have something happen to... They, they, really, if they're 11, 12 years old, what they want to do is fight. They want to fight something. They want to kill something. They want to get gold. You need to make it exciting, but also, that you know, you know, make sure they're they're learning how to play. So once they've realized that this is a game, not just you're not just going to fight, 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 fight. It's um, um, itchy and scratchy. There, it's going to be a game where they're working things out. But also, yes, there will be some combat. So have something. If they're in a tavern or an inn or whatever, have like a troll burst through, nerf it down a little bit because the trolls are quite tough for you for player one, player one, level one, um, and have you know have some or have someone come and save the day if it isn't but show them this is a game where they can be be in trouble or they can but they need to work together to to solve this issue the troll has just burst into an inn and is causing havoc that will set the stage i think that they've had some time to do some role playing introducing their characters and then they've had some time to do some combat and then they can do whatever they want, but I would have that right at the beginning to give it a little bit of action to, to kind of like make sure that they they come back um, they come back to the session because if they're spending the entire time working out you know the minutia of the game, I wouldn't worry about that. I would just get right into it if that makes sense. So that's why the pre-made sheets are ready. So again, the best advice you can give them uh, a new student GM is to just run with it and go and and go for it and dive in they maybe if you're running one they can watch you of course and usually that's what's happened here they've watched me do it i'm no expert i've only been doing it four or five years i don't think that's a lot really with this stuff but uh i'm trying my best with it and learning all the time so i would um i would just let them give it a try and if they make a mistake it, it makes no difference it's not the end of the world that's the whole thing it's therapy it's it's a catharsis from the daily grind okay <laughs> so good luck and hopefully that will help um i am running a session on starting a dnd um programming your library on 23rd of september 6 p.m um british time so what is that eastern time that's 1 p.m if you're on eastern standard time okay it's a free thing you can sign up you can just um this will all be i'll you can contact me on social media at Lucas J Maxwell to uh, find out where the sign up link is. Okay. All right. Hope that was helpful. Take care. Have a great day. Bye.